Welcome to the Wealth Academy podcast. This podcast helps you discover wealth is more than just money. It consists of several empowering components that make up wealth in your personal and business life. Now, here's your host, Paul Good Lawrence Good day, Vann. Wealth Academy podcast listeners and community. We're going to have an amazing show today. And our topic is going to be centered around mental health, uh, how COVID-19 is impacting everyone because it is not only in the U.S., but around the world. And we have a special guest on today, Melissa Van Ness. I want to give a shout out to her right now, and then we'll go through her bio. Melissa, how are you doing today? Hi, Paul. I'm doing great. Thank you. Fantastic. It's a beautiful day. Yes. Thank Fant- you for having me. Yes, fantastic. And uh, we're going to really get into some things that I know that's going to address our core mantra, which is wealth is more than just money, because there are a lot of other elements of life. And today we're going to be talking about one of them. But I'll start with Melissa's um, bio for you. And uh, she is doing some great things. And she has a master's degree in social work and experience as a psychotherapist working with crisis and grief. Melissa Van Ness started Agape SAS in Quito, Ecuador, where she resides a company to serve geriatrics and adults with disabilities, the people that care for them and their families. She has online courses and intimate group coaching sessions that are affordable to cross socioeconomic classes to help teach how to provide quality care, maintain quality of life and improve quality of relationships for the forgotten and vulnerable population. Those that are their caretakers and the nuances of family dynamics in an inevitable and growing problem that as society, we do our best to avoid. And so without further ado, Melissa, welcome once again. We're glad to have you here to talk about this important topic that literally impacts all of us, the mental health aspects and overall health and wellness. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay. COVID certainly is causing um, a mental health problem for many people. So it sure is. It sure is. To help. Yes. And thank you so much for that. So welcome to the Wealth Academy podcast community. We have an extensive background. You have an extensive background working with masters in social work. You've worked with the elderly, disabled, and people in nursing homes. Of course, we know COVID-19 continues to have an impact on people the world over. If you could please provide about three tips people can use to protect vulnerable populations going forward, especially the elderly with pre-existing conditions and those in assisted living quarters. Yeah, so what I think is really important is um, to remember that they are vulnerable. So it's at this point, like for example, in Florida, they're opening back up. Correct. And that's wonderful, but we need first to remember to be responsible. So when we go back to visiting our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, we really need to be responsible because remember it's residential settings for For older people. Mm -hmm. So we need to know that we're healthy. So we don't make our, not only our family members sick, but anyone in the, in their residence sick. So we should probably test ourselves and, you know, make sure that we're okay to enter um, now that they're reopening. That's the first tip I would say. A wonderful tip at that. <laughs> and yes. Just responsibility. Yes. I think that's very important. I think sometimes um, what, what people encounter is 
everything looks normal. We don't, because we can't see the pandemic, but the pandemic needs a host. So people naturally want to go outside like they've always done their entire lives. You can't taste it, touch it, hear it, smell it, or hear it. And so the normal thing is, well, things are okay, but they're not okay. And we're finding out that in Europe. Yes, but there's another element that would be like a second tip. And that's that older people, for example, they don't really quite, they may not grasp the magnitude of what's going on. They, um, if they have any sort of cognitive, you know, disability, if they have the dementia or Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. they're not really understanding what this COVID is. And Hmm. so we want to try to normalize things as much as possible. And therefore, especially before it gets cold, because we're getting into winter, absolutely somewhere to normalize things a little bit. I think that's important as well. Safely, somewhere safe where there's not, you know, not a high risk, but we can't go through life worrying so much. So we need to take them and, and help them a little by, by normalizing something for ice cream for, um, you know, a little walk to see the leaves, anything that they normally do, because that's so important. Very important. And you're exactly right that people, a lot of times, uh, they may not be so much aware of it given their state of health. And uh, so they will need help. And uh, I think you pointed out some great examples, going out, getting a little bit of sunshine, some fresh air. And Mm -hmm. as you stated, take that responsibility and uh, more of a normalized process. So in other words, people would be navigating uh, the the COVID-19 while still being able to at least have a a, a safe space at the time. I I think so. And I think that's especially important for older people. When when you can't comprehend what's going on, that can be scary. And remember that assisted living facilities, nursing homes, were literally in a lockdown for some of them for six months could Mm -hmm. not see unless they're on Zoom or, or FaceTime or something. They're family and they're older. And so make something a little normal, a picnic before yeah. it gets really cold because we are changing seasons. We're so. about to change, exactly. And so we wanna like normalize, we'll, we know it's not normal, but to mm-hmm. help older people, we wanna make things as normal for them as possible. Yes, that's very true, very true. And so you had a third? Yeah, um, the third tip really is to um, just stay healthy yourself. Yes. That's very true. That's probably the most important tip I can offer. Mm -hmm. Stay physically healthy yourself. Stay happy yourself. Um, And and that way, when you're keeping in touch, everything's fine. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and we're not pretending because everything is fine. But for an older person, that's really important. Their security, their sense of security. Absolutely. Yes. And, and the thing about it is that uh, when we look at uh, staying healthy, we can't help anyone else unless we can help ourselves. So that's the greatest value uh, that, that we can uh, pass on to help people and uh, what we call the geriatrics. And you used a great example with Florida, of course, because a lot of people move from, from for example, the Northeast and they've moved to Florida, have the f- whole entire family there now. And uh, even with that good weather, it doesn't necessarily mean that in this COVID uh, uh, 
a situation that's going to work out for them. And what I would like to point out about that is, sure. um, for example, in Florida, for, for that whole period where they were not allowing any visitors, um, it was funny because the state was paying for testing every um, worker at um, assisted living in nursing homes and residents, um, you know, they were getting tested every week and residents were getting tested monthly. Now that people are, they're reopening, the state is not no longer paying. So we need to help by keeping ourselves healthy, being responsible to know we're not positive in order Mm -hmm. to not burden the system by getting people sick because no longer now, now, assisted living facilities and nursing homes after this much time are depending on their own insurance systems to pay for COVID tests. So it's less, it's happening less often. That's a little scary now that we're suddenly re-entering and now there's no real funds just available. So so it's a matter of not burdening the tax system, um, which is why I said, be responsible and keep yourself healthy and know know your COVID negative. Yes, that's very true because again, that uh, second stimulus wasn't signed or hasn't been signed. And as it looks right now, uh, it won't be until perhaps after the election is over November the 3rd. So uh, that leaves a lot of people kind of out there on their own. And that's not a good situation. <laughs> it's not a good it's situation. A lone, I guess for some people, it's a lonely situation, but absolutely. let's try to give them some hope. So yes, got to give them hope. about mental health, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, fantastic. Thank you for providing that. So we're looking at uh, us all being responsible and normalizing things and staying healthy, which are all really great recommendations. We want the listening community to understand this. Uh, that it's all for the the good of everyone uh, to try to protect themselves during this time uh, with 224,000 uh, fatalities at this point. Uh, that's uh, that number may very well go up depending on how, how the weather uh, goes with adding flu and everything else in there. So thank you for sharing that, Melissa. Absolutely. I don't want to see many more. I don't want to see any more fatalities. Me either. I tell you, it's something. I've never seen anything like this. And I know you probably haven't either. No, and we're similar in age. And yeah. it's weird. And I, I have kid clients. We're just babies. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we weren't there around, you know, yeah, back in the 85, 80 years ago. So it's weird. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that I want the listeners to understand is that uh, mental health issues are impacting people as a result of their job loss. That's a big deal. There's no doubt about it because the government shut down, the uh, private industry shut down, entrepreneurs, and it's causing depression uh, along with extensive medical bills, as you referenced earlier. A little over, uh, I'd say three weeks ago, there were over 837,000 people in the U.S. to file for unemployment insurance. And many businesses won't reopen and they're going out of business. Share how the loss of one's job affects them. Because this, as we mentioned, the second stimulus was negotiated by Congress in the White House here uh, yesterday. Yeah. So, um, and, it, and it, there's, there's, there's two ways that it affects people. Because if, mm-hmm. if you're an affluent person and you lose your job, it's a little different than if you're very working class. And that's that's because, but the first thing to remember is part of people's identity is their job. Sure is. you lose your job, you've lost your sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. 
But the thing to remember is that job loss is like losing a person. So you do go through grief. For sure. Absolutely. And there are five stages of grief. And Mm -hmm. so when you lose a job, you're going through shock. You're going through anger. You're going through denial. You're going through bargaining. You're going through finally acceptance. But you never really want to accept that because then what do we do? So, um, so really the, you know, the first thing is you lose your sense of purpose and that's, that's a big loss. And then the other thing you're, is there's an anxiety that, that suddenly you have. For sure. And I think, um, you know, right now we're looking, I think I saw a number where it's 45% Mm-hmm. of people that have lost jobs or even that, you know, are, are feeling or expressing symptoms of mental health, you know, crisis or mm-hmm. mental, symptoms of mental health problems. But suddenly, you know, you have three children and you don't have a job and you mm-hmm. are anxious. So it's really, how do we get more coping mechanisms within us so that we can mm-hmm. be resilient and be okay while we find something new for ourselves exactly um and then how else does it affect people well you know it's very hard for people to ask for help that's a very humbling yes it's uh, the element of the pride and and something new yeah and i think people need to realize that it's okay to ask for help Mm -hmm. not to be ashamed um because there are food banks, there's, you know, there are ways to get help and don't be ashamed. Mm -hmm. And then there's another element that's kind of sad. And that's when you lose your job, sometimes your, your spouse may not understand. Correct. Um, Or you may not have friends that understand Mm -hmm. what you're really going through and the communication process. um, You know, we don't listen to necessarily our spouse or our family or even our friends the way they really need to be listened to. Mm-hmm. And so that's an element that's kind of missing here is that people really don't know how to talk about their feelings or who to talk about them with. So I do suggest reaching out to telemental health people, or if you have the insurance, going to with um, a, a therapist. therapist? Absolutely. Um, there's, you know, there are ways and certainly um, it, it does affect even, you know, family life um, because, how do you communicate what you're really feeling? I actually had an instance where the husband didn't want, didn't tell the wife for a month. She, mm-hmm. He did not know what to say because he knew his wife could not understand. She thought he, she, he was having an affair. Finally, I sat them down so he could tell her, no, it's that I've lost my job. That's why I'm changing. That's why I'm different. Yeah. But I didn't know how to tell you this. Mm-hmm. And so be open and aware of all these changes, I think. I think those are some great recommendations and advice. And, and as you stated, that personality is wrapped in with the job. And, and, and people are not oftentimes, uh, they may not be used to having their children at home all day or being at home all day. So that's a different dynamic as well. But having then, those conversations. And then ask for help because yes. there are, there are, places you can get help even for food or things sure. that you need or if you know you can't pay your electricity talk to them yes you know, don't be ashamed of your circumstances absolutely and that's a big part of it you know it's it's hard it's um hard to ask for help but you can 
Yeah, there was a, a circumstance that I, I recently heard here in Maryland that when the University of Maryland closed, that the students had agreements, lease agreements with the property management companies. And of course they were home working online for school. They couldn't go there because of COVID-19, the pandemic. And, but the leasing and property management companies wanted to be paid because the agreement had been signed. And so it created a dilemma. And so what does one do? What does a student do who doesn't have a job? The parents signed the lease. They can't go in based on the mandate by the governor. And now they're left in many ways holding the bag. <laughs> so that, see, that's another one where people need to step in, the local authorities, the um, member of Congress, the governor, and all step in and say, well, we're going to have to come up with a plan get the, the lease programs straightened out for the kids. And then when they come back, then everything will be just fine. So I, I found that to be very interesting. And you mentioned something so important, and that's that, you know what? Our congressmen work for us. We Correct. vote for them. Yes. And you mentioned it. And if you have a problem, sure. write to them. If you're lost your job and life is terrible, tell them your story, yeah. write to them. It's a big deal. They are live mm -hmm. in a different world. They need to know your circumstances. And that is not just you're right. You're their boss, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And take in that power because yeah. that's important to remember. Yeah. Write them about your about what's going mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. You're fully supposed to. Yes. It's not yeah. a privilege. It's we're the boss. And yes. Please do that. And, and the thing you. about it is that uh, the member of Congress, both the, the congressperson and the senator, absolutely. they have government, federal government resources that they can call upon to help you out. If you have a problem with uh, one of the government agencies, you can call on them and they can assist you with it. And that's what a lot of people don't know. And also likewise with the governor. Exactly. And that's yeah. why if you're struggling, right. Because mm -hmm. one, they don't understand, maybe they don't really understand and they need to know what's really going on. But the other thing is they do have resources. Yes. So you're asking for help from the right person, mm -hmm. you know, and we voted for them. Yes. We put them where they are. They work for us. And just Let think, they're only 10 days until the election. <laughs> oh, but I don't know if that's a conversation for another oh, day. Yeah, but it's so close. So you can call on them now and get a lot of results. <laughs> um, absolutely. There's also telephones. Oh, um, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I always yeah. feel the letter is very, very significant. It's very um, powerful. Very yeah. powerful. because, And then, of course, emails. They can email as well. Absolutely. And yeah. it's, I think it's our duty actually to do that. It, it is. And that's how we get it to work properly. Mm -hmm. Yes. We'll do that on the next show. <laughs> Another time. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Melissa, you live in beautiful Quito, Ecuador, and you of course were quarantined as well because of the pandemic that we're all going through. Please share with listeners what you've been working on during the initial stages of the pandemic that can help people, um, down the road. Absolutely. So I live in a country where we had a mandatory lockdown for mm -hmm. over 85 days. And I live alone, except mm -hmm. I do have a dog. Her name mm -hmm. is 
Pesadilla, which is nightmare. In Pesadilla. Okay. Um, so, so, I mean, here I am living alone in a lockdown. I'm a pretty social person. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have clients. I have people that depend on me. So what did I do? I actually reached out to my friends and I made sure I was healthy to keep helping people. But, you know, a lot of people are like, what's on Netflix? And I'd love to recommend some things. I do love Netflix, but... I started thinking, what if, because I was looking at my smartphone, deciding to put in an app so I could get delivery. Sure. That's where it began. So I was about three weeks into this mandatory lockdown. Mm-hmm. And we like had three hours where we could go to the store or the bank. And that was it. Or the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. That was it. Three hours. And if we were not, then we really couldn't be on the street. So it wasn't like we could go jogging or, or play sports or take walks. Mm-hmm. It was very, very rough. So I'm looking at my cell phone at one point when my rations I felt were starting to deplete a little bit. Sure. And I thought to myself, what would happen if I couldn't see or didn't know how to use a cell phone because maybe I'm disabled? Or what if I'm old and I just don't even know how to use a cell phone? Exactly. That's, that could be the and case. I really started um, going to webinars actually by banks because mm-hmm. it's, you know, that because the, then I started thinking, I need to deal with this cause. And it's for me an important one because it's inevitable. So I did something a little funny because my friend, you know, he was having me watch, um, there was a movie, what was the movie? Um, Like something about the warrior. Mm -hmm. And it was by by this um, person who had had, well, anyway, it was about getting to your dream, you know, and focusing and your goals. Mm -hmm. And it was a really cool movie. It had Nick Nolte and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so after that, I'm like, what is my dream? My dream is, well, I still want to make money, but I really have always wanted to help people. So I did something a little crazy or bold. And I put a notice, not in the um, classified section, but actually I wrote something and put it in the largest paper in Ecuador and ask people, you know, I'm doing, this is my new project, please. If you would like to come on board, if you know about, you know, um, finances um, and you're Mm -hmm. from here, please come and help me. Yes. So the project is called Agape, S-A-S for adults um, Mm -hmm. and the disabled. And Yes. Agape mm-hmm. is really the highest form of love. And and, and there's no charity because charity just isn't a solution for, for senior care or for any care. Absolutely. You can give, but then what? Then it's depleted. So yeah. that wasn't a solution for me. So I began this business and I was going to do it just by training people to go into homes. But then mm-hmm. I realized I'm not in the United States right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, how do I reach people that can't afford such a thing? Because in South America, we, there's many people who cannot afford this. Absolutely. Have people yes. go help them in the home. Right. But they do have people that live in the home with them. Mm-hmm. And there are people that are actually taking, you know, leaving their jobs to care for older people. Sure. And I thought, I'm going to make courses and help people learn how to help older people in a home. I think that's And I'm also going to make groups for the caretakers, for the family mm-hmm. members to make it smoother, to make it more pleasant. Yeah. And it's not something people like to talk about. That's so. very true. Yeah. I, I know uh, I'm in a fellowship program this year. And one of the other fellows who happens to be in the program, there are 10 of us veterans. 
he has a business like that, but he runs his through the Medicare system. And it's Mm -hmm. primarily to help caregivers to be able to have a life as well. Yes. Because they're under duress, they're in the stress. They've, in many ways, uh, put their life on the sidelines while they're helping and doing something that's good and something that's great. And that's what his business does. Yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's very successful. Yeah, and he, I wonderful. believe he goes through Blue Cross Blue Shield, and uh, so he's providing that what you're providing. Yeah, that's what he's doing. And I just decided that because of the pandemic, why not mm-hmm. do it online and yeah. you. Can- close these things, you know, you can make close groups online mm-hmm. that are safe, nurturing, but if in case we don't really know what's going to happen, you know, how long mm-hmm. it's going to take for a vaccine, it gives people an ability to deal with very, you know, serious issues in a mm-hmm. safe and private setting, but it gives them the ability to talk about it. And yeah. so that's why I feel it's not just helping the geriatrics. Mm-hmm. It's important to help the caretakers, yes. which are either family or someone that people hire. Absolutely. And, 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 the, right. um, the and the individual being helped, it, it gives them a renewed sense as well, that someone cares about them. And right. then the person who's caring about them, they have a great sense that they are making a difference, which they are, you know, as and, much as they can. And it makes it easier. Yes. Um, there's an outlet to talk about you know, the draining parts of it. Um, I kind of, you know, and there are draining parts of it, let's be honest with each other. So, you know, we need to make it better for people because, you know, there's more older people now than there are. And they have different types of ways to help with this situation. But, you know, I sat there, it all started because I looked at my smartphone thinking, what if someone didn't know how to put an app in their phone? That's a great idea. Yeah, so that's how I came about. It was that eureka moment. (laughs) I guess it was an aha moment. And Uh I'm glad, I'm very fortunate. I have friends, we challenge each other that way. We want each other to have aha moments, you know? Yeah. So I'm fortunate that then, you know, I was, someone knew that was in my mind and he challenged me. And so Hmm. I did it. And I actually have talked to some amazing people here in, here in Quito and, um, and some government people. And so I'm, sure. I'm going slowly, but surely. That's a, a great path to be on. <laughs> great path. And, yeah. And that's how, that's how I spent my quarantine thinking, you know, that way um, okay. rather than, well, I mean, we can talk about Netflix. I love it. And I saw a lot of shows too. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we need that too. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. But I think that's a really great aha moment there that's making a difference for people. And I, I believe that the momentum is going to grow from that because they're seeing some activity that's taking place, the interaction taking place. And uh, it makes difference for both one who's been cared for and the person who's doing the caring as well. And you can never go wrong with that, especially when we look at generational um homes and people with more than one generation living in there as well which is always great yeah and you know well i'm i'm like you know one of those like the sandwich generation here i yes. am mm-hmm. myself i think you might be as well um yes you know whether whether we are actually caretakers or not and i have been a caretaker yes actually. absolutely you know i have a mother with alzheimer's mm-hmm. she has lived with me yes you know and i have mm-hmm. had experience that way as well yeah so um, actual experience Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I worked in nursing homes when I was, um, you know, beginning and when I was in graduate school as well. Okay. Um, So, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. So uh, one of the things that I really know that the listeners can't wait to hear is what is the one word that sums up your philosophy when it comes to caring for people in the forgotten population? Uh, while you're providing them with higher knowledge, improved care, and self-love, what is the one word that's the philosophy for you? Well, I think it would have to be agape, which mm-hmm. is the highest form of love. It's, it's giving. Um, it's giving with um, mm-hmm. you know true respect and true kindness. It's yes. so it's agape for sure for me. Yes, and that's you know for any population really. I just think it's a lovely concept. I do too. It's very powerful. And it's to love someone with not having a reason for loving, but loving because it is the most powerful thing. It's it's not judging anybody, unconditional, not judging, but just going in and being of service. And when we do that, that comes back to us. It comes back to us. And we're not doing it for that reason, but it does come back to you. When you give. People tell me that. Um, they ask me, like, you know, they, people have told me I have karma. And I'm like, I don't know if I believe in karma. Um, <laughs> but I believe in people. So Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's that uh, principle, uh, one of the uh, laws, I believe, of, of nature that uh, when we give, um, it always comes back. And it may not come back in the same form, but it comes back in other ways. And then one day we might wake up and we're saying, hey, it happened because of this. <laughs> I can say that I feel happy. I feel yes. lucky. Mm-hmm. Almost every day I wake up feeling very, um, very peaceful because I feel fulfilled. Yes. Um, so maybe that's how it comes back to me. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's really great because we're on this journey and uh, we have many, many more miles to go. And so it's uh, when we're going through this right now, we know on the other side of this, something great is going to happen. <laughs> something <laughs> great is going to happen. There's just no denying it. <laughs> Even after November 3rd, it's going to be great. That's absolutely. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one way or the other, it's still going to be great. We have our life is great. <laughs> that's, we're, we, that's it, you know, and yeah. I, I never can promise anything except one thing. Yeah. And I can always promise it will be okay. Yes. I think that's, a, that's the a great... only thing I promise to anyone. It will be okay. Yes. I think that's going to work out. <laughs> so Melissa, there's never been a greater health crisis in our generation. And there's a consistency of end of life issues families need to address. And unless you state that people don't like to talk about it, especially uh, where this take into account geriatrics, disabled family members, caregivers, please provide uh, one tip to help listeners better understand the importance of having discussions and dialogue surrounding this important issue t- to get people to have those, those uh, conversations. Right. Um, well, I'm going to give an example from my personal life about Okay, this. great. Um, when I was, I think, like 27 mm-hmm. or 28, I, I read in Reader's Digest this interesting article. So I decided to keep it. And I... Yes. I And the article said that while your parents are young, Mm -hmm. talk to them about their finances and what they want. Mm -hmm. 
And they've said, you know, ask them their bank account information, ask them their investment information, yes. ask them where they want to be buried, mm -hmm. ask them everything you need to know while you're smiling, while you're happy, happy. so that it doesn't become a crisis when it, when, when it, it suddenly is a crisis. That's correct. So I was like 27, 28, and I actually did that. I, mm -hmm. I followed the advice in Reader's Digest. Uh -huh. And I can tell you that that really did help. Um, you know, and I, as I explained, I do have a mom with Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So, and it's very touchy because it's hard to talk to our parents. About yes, absolutely. And so what I think is if you're struggling to have these preventative conversations and mm -hmm. that's what I first start with a preventative conversation so that it transitions much more smoothly. Yes. If you're struggling, ask someone, whether mm -hmm. it's a relative, whether it's someone you trust, whether it's, and it's, you know, I don't like, I really don't want to say an attorney, but whether it's sure. a facilitator of some sort, a mediator, a mediator. Uh -huh. family member, that's not immediate, a friend that everybody trusts, ask them to help you if yeah. you need to have this, you know, very difficult preventative conversation, get it out of the way. Yeah. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. um, don't hold back the questions because there might come a point you can't ask those questions. And then that's really crisis time. Absolutely. So that's my first tip. Mm -hmm. um, feel, you know, and I know it's hard, but that's why if you feel you can't have that conversation, ask someone to help you have that conversation. Yeah. And find out if there's a will that's in place and if you have a copy of it. I think those are very great conversations because as you stated, once you get to that point and you don't have that, it gets to be difficult on the person who's taking care of those end of life, afterlife issues. And, and, and it causes family issues as well. Sure. So you want to hear it from the voice of the person, person rather than be reading it than arguing. I mean, this is a transition. Like, it you is. know, everything in life is a transition. So as we age, it's a transition. Um, and when we're, you know, older, when we're, you know, 80, well, I, I'm saying 80 is older. I don't think 70 mm -hmm. is at all older. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I still think I'm quite young and I'm 50, yeah. but that, hey, this is my perspective on life. Exactly. I think I'm a kid, but hey, you, uh -huh. you know, that's my issue. Well, you but, know, nowadays that's, that's very young because it's not the 50 of our parents or grandparents. It's different. Right. So I feel mm -hmm. I'm very young, mm -hmm. but when you get to be 80, you know, you may yeah. not have the faculties to be able to discuss it. That's correct. We talk about it when someone's 60. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah. And before they retire, even, you know why? It's not bothering them when you talk about it then. It's important, but it's not an anxiety. It's not a depressive sure. topic. Mm -hmm. So that's the first piece, preventative. Yes. The trans, you know, for that time of transition, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then we have that aspect of the probate court. If we don't have a will out there or we don't have a, um, a, a state plan out there, then the courts get to decide the distribution of the assets and well as the debts. And if they are doing that, the state's doing that, then the lawyers are really taking in a lot of those assets. Um, I would imagine that that is not something you really want it to get to. That's correct. <laughs> you always, I mean, we all, if you have anything, make a will. Very yes. good advice about any kind of wealth. Anything you have, if you have a house, make a will. If you have a, will. a car, make oh. a will, it, yes. you know, 
Yes. Disposition um, of assets. <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's a little weird to have to ask your cousin their social security number, but sure. you know, you're thinking of their kids or whatever. So right. yeah, ask it. I yeah, mean, ask you- it. Look at uh, insurance policies that are out there. Cause you know, some people have insurance policies. They can't even find it. And then there's money that's accumulated over the years and it's gone, gone for not because they don't know where the policy is. I say, look in the mattress. That's where it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, where I grew up, I lived in a brick house and supposedly if we knocked the walls down, there would have been quite a lot of money right. from a, you know, a couple uh-huh. families back, but we never knocked the walls down. So oh. fortunately, I don't I'm, know. I'm thinking about that now. <laughs> you want the address? No, 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 no. That would be really rude. I can't. And Google's pretty easy. So no. Yeah. But yeah, and and so make a will, and mm-hmm. and this is a conversation. You know, it's a pleasant conversation. Yes, don't make it into something that's not pleasant. And yeah. hopefully, you know, if if there is a family issue, try to try to work it out. Absolutely, yeah. and it's and my not necessarily be able to be worked out, mm-hmm. but try exactly. And and from my perspective, uh, when I worked on Capitol Hill. Uh, I worked and drafted language for military funeral honors. So that's also in that same window when we look at veterans and uh, what it did, it made it such that there would be a bugler there. The bugler would get paid for that because a lot of, a lot of veterans were buried and they, they did not have the full military ceremony and you can only get one chance to get it right. And if you don't have a bugler there and people actually handling this for the family who's present there, it's a lost opportunity. And so that's one of the um, bills I drafted up language, a lawyer, he took it from there and we actually got both bipartisan support on that particular bill. That's awesome. And I've been to um, a couple of funerals. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) I don't like to be happy about it, but I have been to um, a couple that are, I don't know sure. the name, in Florida, they, they're for yeah. military um, people. Right, so the Veterans people, Cemetery. I'm really honored that you did that, thank you. Because mm-hmm. I know it meant a great deal to the, to the families and yeah. I was part of the family, so thank you. Absolutely, because um, it's just something that's needed because of these family also is serving while that member of service is serving as well. But a lot of people don't understand that, but they actually are because they're dealing with the press pressure and the stress of wartime situations, conflict situation. It puts a lot of burden on that family member, the spouse left behind. And then of course, with the previous, most recent wars, we had both spouses serving. Mm-hmm. So it was even tougher because we have Afghanistan and Iraq, but uh, uh, now it looks like we're gonna withdraw from a lot of those locations, which is good. And uh, making sure that we take care of those military families. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting you're bringing up the military and we're talking mm -hmm. about COVID. The fact is Mm -hmm. for some people, you know, the military, we talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. Sure. Very much in the military. Absolutely. COVID for a lot of people is causing traumatic stress disorder. It sure is. And we have to look at that reality, unfortunately. Especially the frontline workers, the police, the doctors, the nurses, the grocery store attendance, people in the grocery store. Absolutely. A, a lot of different areas uh, are being affected. And uh, if people, if we in America, if we don't pay attention to that, we're going to have a lot more problems because a lot more of them than there are military people. Military is very small. 
and I've seen percentages, but yes. um, and it's and it is frightening because this is um, this we're in the beginning, really. Yes, we are the mental we health are. crisis from COVID. We are. Mm-hmm. We are in the beginning, the early stages, and that is not okay. It's I mean, not okay. But you know, when you bring up something like a war or Afghanistan mm-hmm. or, or Iraq, unfortunately, this pandemic for some people is a trauma yes. that great. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And we have to look at it that way and, and be available too. mental sure. health practitioners have to, you know, we have to do some pro bono stuff. It's absolutely that's our responsibility. That's part of, you know, mm-hmm. like some pro bono stuff we just have to do. Yes. I encourage mental health people to please do that. Yes. And, and I we think all they will do it. That together, mm-hmm. we are helping a lot of people and I fully encourage that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pro bono. Some, not, not all the time, but some, because mm-hmm. if I do a little, if, you know, if you, mm-hmm. then you have for the people that have lost jobs, you know, True. some support and that's important. That, that's our responsibility. Absolutely. Hey, so for sure. For sure. So Melissa, we're almost out of time. I can't believe it. Is um, there anything else you want to say before we wrap up that you can share with our listeners and mental health area and for um, geriatrics and, and uh, care caregivers, et cetera? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about symptoms. Okay, um, fantastic. And a little bit about medication. Mm-hmm. Just very briefly, let's touch on that. Sure. Um, symptoms that you should be concerned about. Mm-hmm. When I was in graduate school, um, major depressive disorder, you, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, the symptoms lasted a month. Now mm-hmm. in the new DSM, it's two weeks. So okay. if wow. these symptoms persist for two weeks, sure. it's considered clinical major, major depressive, major depressive disorder. Absolutely. And that's a big change, you know, mm-hmm. in the past 20 years since I graduated. Sure. But symptoms to look for that can, you know, remain are, um, you know, disturbances in sleep. Mm-hmm. If you're sleeping too much, if you can't sleep, if you disturbances in your weight, if you're eating, yes. mm-hmm. you know, or not being able to eat and you have a significant weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're fatigued, you're preoccupied and yes. you cannot stop thinking about something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel hopeless. Yes. And then of course, if you feel at all suicidal, please. Right reach out for help. Mm-hmm. And that's a big um, issue in the military too. The amount of suicides that are taking place. Well, pretty and you know, you look at 19, I'm just going to go in my lifetime because mm-hmm. I didn't live through the great depression, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, can't fake that one. Yeah. So I'm not going to fake anything. So mm-hmm. I remember 1986, my father worked on wall street. And mm-hmm. I remember when the market crashed in 1986, mm-hmm. there were a couple of people that I knew that had committed suicide. Yeah. And I was young and I'm like, why would someone kill themselves over money? Right. And they did. So they, they must have um, lost everything. They had, they had lost, you know, all their assets, assets. you know, mm-hmm. right. In, in, in terms of um, the stock exchange. Sure. And we've had, you know, a recession since, and mm-hmm. I've seen people lose their homes. Yes. And now we're going to, we, you know, we're going through a pandemic. I, I, another cycle. So Mm -hmm. if anything, um, remember that it's happened before it's happened in all our lifetimes. 
we recover. Um, happened, you know, we've all seen this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I gauged it to 1986 because sure. you know that was in my lifetime. Anything before, mm-hmm. I didn't experience. I didn't mm-hmm. see anything. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, um, you know, remember that money grows on yes. trees. Look at it that way. So if a tree dies, yes, it will grow again. I really think we need to have that little thought in our head. Mm-hmm. But if you lose everything, it will grow back. That's and point. that's called resilience. And yes. I think that's the hope you need to have. And so in your mind, if you've lost everything, like, all, you know, if you've lost mm-hmm. your job, you've mm-hmm. lost your money due to COVID or, or anything, mm-hmm. just think of the tree and think of it full of money and it going to autumn and, it, and, and the leaves falling off, the money falling off. Absolutely. You know, the following year, it suddenly, you know, in, in the spring, it grows again. Yes. And so whatever you've lost, you can rebuild. And that's mm-hmm. really important to, to remember. Um, and that's probably something we can almost end on. Yes. Except, you know, it, you know I'd love to hear what you think about that little mm-hmm. image that I'd like to plant in people's mm-hmm. head. But yeah, I think that's a, a great note to end on. And uh, the reason why is because when we have hope, we have everything. And hope always uh, is another aspect of faith. And it faith conquers fear. And a lot of times for people, it's the fear that gets them and it's the pain points that people go through. And so with hope, it gives them that, you know, one more day, one more week, one more month, and on and on and on. And as you stated, we've been through it before. We have some uh, steps that, that we can uh, take from it, lessons learned, and we can move forward. So um, Melissa Van Ness, thank you so much for being our honored guest today and sharing an important topic for all of us around the globe, 7 billion people. It, no one goes untouched, no one, everyone is touched by this. So I'm going to uh, thank you for being the honored guest today of Wealth Academy podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul, so much. It was a pleasure. Okay. And to our listeners, you heard it here first. We talked about mental health, which is so important for each and everyone who's listening all over the world. We're in 18 countries now. So we're hearing from people, people listening from all over the world. And we're on all the uh, podcast channels. Uh, Take some time out and listen to Melissa's interview today. Go to Apple Podcasts. And listen to this episode, rate and review this particular interview because uh, she provided so many golden nuggets uh, that um, we don't even have time to cover all of it. It's been so extensive and and so intense and you're gonna learn a lot more. It's impacting everyone, you and your family. So again, uh, Melissa, thank you so much. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out to share this with us. Paul, thank you. And I really appreciate your podcast, by the way. All right. Fantastic. And thank you so much. Again, uh, I'm your host, Paul Lawrence Van, host of Wealth Academy Podcast. And I'll see you on the next episode. And you can also uh, view all of the episodes at www.wealthacademypodcast.com. It's been a joy. My time is up and I thank you for yours. Everyone have a great day and let's have more conversations as Melissa stated to us earlier. Have those conversations that, that need to be, be uh, shared and we'll all become better as a result of it. 
Have a great day, everyone, and take good Thank care. Thank you for listening. And goodbye. You will find the show notes for links to everything that was mentioned. You will find the show notes on my landing page. Subscribe to the Wealth Academy podcast. Rate or review the podcast on iTunes. 